Hello and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. We continue season 10 where we are looking at the Marvel Universe and for today's episode we're going to look at one of the most beloved characters of the entire universe and that is our very own Captain America. So we should take a closer look at Captain America First Avenger. Based on the comics by Stanley and directed by Joe Johnson, the film stars Chris Evans as the title character and also starring Hayley Atwell, Hugo Weaving, Sebastian Stan, Stanley Tucci and Tommy Lee Jones. One of the first superheroes ever created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee way back in 1941. Interestingly, though, Chris Evans, who plays Steve Rogers, played another superhero who was, in fact, the first superhero created by Kirby and Lee. And that was the Human Torch, believe it or not, way back in October 1939, along with the Angle, Submariner, Mask Raider. 1940 then had the Phantom, the Reporter, the Thin Man, Toro, contemporary fan favorite Vision and a one black widow and then in the spring of 1941 joe simon and jack kirby created an all-round nice guy whose compass always points north and that is stephen grant rogers in his very own comic the amazing captain america and amazing to think that vision black widow and even human torch was way before hulk thor and even iron man the patriotic soldier emphasized with his American flag costume is one of the front faces for Marvel Studios. And this is one they needed to get right. This soldier and his indestructible shield and this thing that he can throw around like a frisbee. And as Spider-Man puts it, defies the laws of physics. Captain America is donned by a few people in the comic books, including one James Buchanan, a.k.a. Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the White Wolf, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. And now more recently, Falcon has donned the new and some would say not improved costume, but the one we have come to see and love in the last decade is that of Steve Rogers, this frail young soldier who is hungry to fight for his country and is eventually enhanced to the peak of human perfection by an experimental super soldier serum after he joined the military. Then towards the end of a few missions and heroically saving battles and fighting bad guys during World War II, a mission goes bad and he is presumed dead, but he's in fact trapped in ice and survives in suspended animation until he is discovered and thrown back conveniently into the mix in today's world with characters we've come to know, like Iron Man and Bruce Banner. Now, one of the big reasons why Captain America is so big, besides the patriotic bias aspect of his character, was that it was the first Marvel comic book character to exist outside of the comics and into the media, with the movie serial Captain America in 1944. And he existed on t-shirts, cereal boxes, they even had cards on him. Now, from then on, this character is featured in other TV series and films, some lost and forgotten, and some more recently very much remembered. And those are the ones we're going to be talking about, more specifically Chris Evans as Captain America. The man who is no stranger to comic book movies, as I already mentioned, played an even earlier Marvel book character, Human Torch, in Warner Brothers' Fantastic Four, twice, and successfully too. He then appeared in Scott Pilgrim, Push, The Losers, and also voiced Casey Jones in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so completely in tune with the comic book world. But this wasn't the reason why Chris Evans declined the role of Captain America. That's right, he declined the role, not once, but three times. He was the only actor in the MCU universe not to audition for the role because Marvel Studios really wanted them they had their eyes set on him they had no one else in mind Chris Evans is a surprisingly private person and he was worried about how this would affect his fame and personal life. I mean, eventually it was Robbie Downey Jr. who convinced him to take on the role of a lifetime. I mean, still young and still able to meet the physical requirements of this role. He signed on after meeting with the director, Joe Johnson, who directed Jumanji, by the way, the Robin Williams one, not The Rock. 
And the producers made him a deal that he had the freedom to sign on any other role if he wanted to after, you know, committing to a free picture deal. And none of the actors had that sort of deal, which means he could come and go as he pleased if he wanted to. But he didn't, as we know. Chris Evans was only paid, and I say only paid, $300,000 to play the title character. And you have to assume that his salary went up in the later sequels. He eventually went on to play Captain America 11 times in this movie, well, in, in general, seven in a leading capacity and once in a video game, the three Captain America movies, the four Avengers movies, not to mention his cameos in Thor 2, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man, and Spider-Man Homecoming. So for the Phase 1 section, this would chronologically be the first movie. However, it is the fifth movie in Phase 1, and Marvel were toying with the idea of having certain cameos in the World War II backdrop, now including both Wolverine and Magneto, who during World War II uh, would have been accurate since Logan fought in World War II and Magneto was in a camp. However, at the time, Marvel didn't have the rights to the X-Men characters. They were owned by Fox at the time. This was actually the last Paramount film to be made in the Marvel Universe up until Disney bought the rights to the Avengers and Iron Man. So, yeah, that's Paramount's last sort of outing with uh, the Marvel Universe. Now, thanks to the merge in 2019, Disney have the unique ability to feature X-Men characters now. That is probably a Phase 7 thing. So in this movie, we got the wonderful Stanley Tucci playing Dr. Erskine. The only reason he decided to sign up for this was so he could use a German accent, something he really wanted to do for a long time. And this makes Tommy Lee Jones' second outing in a comic book movie after the famous Batman Forever, where he famously played Two-Face. Hayley Atwell beat out a range of actors to play Peggy Carter. She described her as everything Captain America can do, but backwards and in high heels. However, Stanley's first story was called Amer- um, Captain America, and he didn't actually come up with the idea. So with Stanley's cameo in this movie, it's interesting an exception to the whole thing because in tradition of him appearing in films featuring Marvel comic book characters, because in this case, Stan Lee didn't have anything to do with the original creation of Captain America. But, you know, when Stanley became, you know, a comic book nerd and started writing, and one of the first stories he took on was Captain America, and it was called Foils to Traitor's Revenge. And that came out in 1941, which, however, features the first time that Captain America throws his shield as a weapon. So we do have Stanley to thank for that. But take nothing away from him and Jack Kirby, who were basically responsible for the revival of Captain America in 1964 when the fourth edition of The Avengers came out. So an interesting thing in the comics is that Captain America usually uses a sidearm, which he does at the beginning of the film, and it sometimes crops up now and again, but it's pretty much anti-gun in this movie, which is a good thing to reflect his sort of good nature character. It wasn't until halfway during the war that President Franklin D. Roosevelt gave him a shield as a sort of medal for his achievements. He didn't realise he could use this as a weapon by throwing it, and by doing so he slowly gets rid of his sidearm, and that's how he... They talk the uh, sidearm out of the comic books. Now, in the comics, the shield is made from a mixture of vibranium and adamantium. Vibranium is the way the shield absorbs vibrations, bullet punches, heavy targets himself sometimes. And the adamantium is the shield's invincibility. However, as you know, adamantium is part of the whole X-Men mythology where the rests or the rights are owned by 20th Century Fox. So they are not allowed to mention adamantium in the movie. So it's just vibranium for now, the precious metal found in Wakanda. For the actual prop in the movie, they use rubber for the shield when Cap is punching people with it. So when he has it on his back, they use the straps. It is actually metallic. So every time he puts it on his back, it just stays on there. 
Um, so for that reason, if it's magne- magnetic, that it's probably made out of iron or nickel or magnesium, one of those things, but it doesn't really have the same ring to it as vibranium, does it? So in the scenes where he's throwing the shields, there's actually nothing there. Chris Evans is simply miming the actions of catching and throwing, and the shields would be later added using CGI. Another thing that you might not have gathered with CGI is the height of chris evans obviously yes there is a lot of special effects when he's playing his puny self but when he's captain america that's all him flesh and body i mean the reaction when Haley atwell first touches him on the chest is real and genuine by the way and they kept it in the movie but when captain america is stood next to a random person say bucky for instance he appears taller and that's where the cgi is kicking in and they sometimes use camera effects as well because chris evans is actually the same exact height as Sebastian Stan, and yet stands a foot taller than him in the movies. And he's pretty much the same height as Hayley Atwell too, but some CGI and some interesting tricky camera work, and he appears a foot taller. And I read that Sebastian Stan watched Band of Brothers to prepare for his role, probably one of the best miniseries out there. He was also one of the frontrunners to play the role of Captain America, but he was passed on when Chris Evans finally accepted. So they had a look at a few actors when Chris Evans declined it twice, and Sebastian Stan was one of them. And they loved him so much that they gave him the role as Bucky, and you've got I love that line he says at the start at the fairground when Steve is saying we're going into the future a little foreshadowing that him and Steve will actually go into the future of course in the course of their stories but the film like most Marvel films plays on these little cool references for comic book fans and just movie fans are like Cap holding the bin as a shield and saying he can do this all day foreshadowing his shield he does it again in a more obvious way when he holds the cab door up with the you know the star on it even has the uh the same colours. Joe Johnson, the director himself, says he seems to be referencing one of his old movies in this movie quite a lot, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, I say it's his movie, it's Steven Spielberg's movie, but he was the art director for that movie, and these movies sometimes draw parallels to Captain America. As an easy one is when Johann Schmidt says the future digs for trinkets in the desert, which is a very big reference uh, to uh Raiders of the Lost Ark if you get the reference obviously he's talking about the Tesseract in this movie and I mean the Tesseract is pretty much how you know like how the Ark of the Covenant killed the Nazis is also seen when Cap's throwing a massive Hydra agent into a propeller of a plane just like Indy does so we have these otherworldly references in this movie too and of course you have these little subtle things that are just passed on by normal dialogue but the gods that Hydra refer to of course the Asgardians in case no one's figured that one out. In fact the whole wall art hiding the Tesseract at the beginning of the film shows the world tree the exact same concept that Thor shared with Natalie Portman's character in the first movie. You'll also see a reference to a future subplot in a future Avenger movie if you ever watch this film again which just shows the attention to detail the producers go to. I mean at the end of the movie when Steve Rogers is running through Times Square realize and he's in a different time and is surrounded by shield agents i mean all you have to look at if you just look behind nick fury there's a massive advertisement i think they're on 42nd street times square and there's a massive advertisement board for baskin robbins now which at the time probably means nothing but this would later be the place that scott lang aka ant-man gets a job after he's released from prison and probably a job they would have given cap to get back into the swing of things so there are links all over the film especially if you go back and watch them they will probably pop out you more now that you've seen you know avengers endgame and then the new spider-man movie as well i mean the film was going to have a few characters that they already created but scrapped it aside for later movies i mean natasha romanoff was going to be in the movie she was going to be the nurse 
um, with Steve at the end of the movie, but they scratched the whole idea entirely. I mean, the other people they were going to have, they even created the character of Zemo, played by Daniel Brawl later, but they didn't think they would give him enough attention whilst they were focusing on the Red Skull. Obviously, both come back in the sequel, Zemo, the main antagonist in Civil War, and Romanoff also in Winter Soldier. The film has all the classics of, you know, themes and original storytelling about overcoming obstacles and shows the contemporary story of the story of we all know the little guy standing up to the bully we've seen that film a hundred times and nine times out of ten something magical or amazing happens to the underdog where they are given the ability to back up their physical state to their good heart against this physical superior bully i mean if you just look at what you just look at back in the 90s, even 80s. I mean, Matilda does this with Miss, Miss Trunchable. Carrie does this in similar fashion to the high school cheerleaders and bullies. And even her mother, even Spider-Man does this with Flash. So we're familiar with these themes of overcoming ingenuity, courage and strength. What Captain America does is he hit those values straight on its head instead of trying to sort of sidestep it. He doesn't really try and be subtle about it. He's knowingly knowing he's a small guy but has a big heart. It's kind of like, you know, Rocky Balboa in a way as well. Like I said, it's very conventional storytelling. We've seen this story a thousand times. I mean, the famous line by Stanley Tucci is simply a mute gesture and him pointing to his heart. This, you know, this whole thing doesn't forget who, you know, make sure this guy doesn't forget who he is, even though he knows he's now the toughest guy in any room he walks into now. He would win all of the fights that he always tries to get into. And it's the fact that Steve stays moral and uses his strength to just back up what he always believed. He didn't change anything about him. He didn't change his personality or his way of thinking like Tony does. He doesn't have a realization like Thor does when he is banned from Asgard. Steve is still Steve when he takes the serum. Steve never backs away from a fight when he was little no matter the opponent he didn't care about risking his life by throwing him in front of that grenade and he certainly doesn't change the mind of thinking when he took the serum now he still does the same things when schmidt asks what makes him so special he simply replies nothing i'm just a kid from queens and that basically sums up the cap you know the character of captain america that is why Captain America is sort of the soul, the glue, the leader in the Avengers during phase one. He is the guy that everyone knows is doing the right thing. And you bet that they had to get the casting right. We've shown these themes of bravery, confronting evil, perseverance and resistance. I mean, the movie is one magazine describes it isn't really designed for a movie as such, but more a time capsule for the MCU movies. I mean, gives us a taste of where these comic books are. Uh, were born and bred where these characters are from what their values are you know that being said though it is a lovingly crafted action act, uh, action movie with a good sense of narrative rhythm and you know comedic timing as always and the tie and the film does have heart it really does and it revolves around our central lead which you know all films do in an action state but there is so much to this character that we still want to find out i mean chris evans did say in an interview after he rejected the role three or four times he you know that even being said he said that even if this guy wasn't a comic book character or a superhero, I think that the, you know the story of Steve Rogers is great. He's a great guy, even if he wasn't just a script about anything with him in it. You know, he could be in a drama or a comedy or a thriller, and just have this character in it. He would probably do the film. He's just a great character to play. He just happens to be a comic book character. You know that scene where he just you know he's just lost Erskine, but he, he's now got a body he's not used to, and he's running. That whole scene is so underlooked. I mean, because. He's just turned into this like physical pro-esque and he's just lost like the one guy he could talk to, the one guy who's given him this confidence. Um, 
and he's and you know the scene he just runs after this guy and it's just beautiful and it's such a complex scene all those emotions running through his head and trying to get a grip with it and that's where the composure of someone like cap as a character and chris as an actor comes into play just you know getting into the body this new body that he's running into there's a really good scene where he's just running and he's trying to figure out oh my legs are taller i'm stronger i've got bigger muscles i'm running and you know he's got those emotions i've got to get this guy oh my god i've just lost erskine what's going on and you know it's just a really good scene i think it's very much overlooked and talking about running i read that they got a british olympic decathlon called um uh not decathlete i guess is a term called daniel awadi and he was a running double for that scene and others as well and i think he continued to be chris evans running double for future movies as well so i didn't know they did that so the biggest problem though with captain america is he's a man out of time with stark it was easy yes you had him in the middle east but you brought him right back to what he knew thor was banished from asgard sent to earth but then he was sent back cap is literally skipping 65 to 70 years and is thrown right into the mix he is a man out of time coming back today looking at our world through the eyes of someone who thought the world was perfect or the whole world was like some small time america um you know the question is are we better than just after the war? Have we changed? Have things really changed? Have people changed? I mean, this is a battle that Captain America faces throughout the entire franchises of the MCU films. I mean, how maybe nothing has changed. There will always be a bad guy to stop. There'll always be the same motives, some the same flawed thinking, and you know, and a man out of time is exactly what the Avengers need: the moral stability, the reliability from someone who is, as Erskine puts it, a good man. But listen, anyways, that's all I have time for with Captain America, the first Avenger, a film that I personally enjoyed the most in the Phase 1 movies. It's got a great cast. It sets up the Avengers nicely, and it's got a lot of history that we later come back to in the later phases as well. And it pays to be good. It shows the morality trumps strength, but when you have both together, well, you can be a sane person. You know, money doesn't need to change you. Strength doesn't need to change you. Fame doesn't need to change you. But it does change everyone when they come into it when they never had anything before but it does not change captain america one iota anyway please subscribe to me on my podcast on itunes google amazon play and spotify and you can follow me on instagram too that's film exploration ah or lowercase or woman but right now thank you for listening to film exploration with ash hurry